Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet Global. Joining me today is Mike Erdley, Director of Energy and Sustainability at EBI Consulting. He's here to talk with us about the path to net zero. Thank you for being here, Mike. Hey, Tim. Thanks very much for having me today. Energy in the built environment and especially the topic of net zero is certainly very important to me and my work. So I'm glad to be able to discuss with you today. Fantastic. Great topic. So if you, if you would, before we get out of the way uh, with the, uh, the interview, if you would just introduce yourself and EBI Consulting a little bit further. Sure. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm Director of Energy and Sustainability at EBI Consulting. EBI is a company focused on all aspects of the life cycle of real estate. We offer environmental, architectural, and engineering services from acquisitions and due diligence through design, construction, and operation, and then optimization of energy efficiency. So that's my energy piece. That's my focus from, from day to day. And we come at it from a bunch of different angles. I have a team of energy and sustainability professionals that are located throughout the country, working on projects like energy audits, commissioning of buildings, and green building rating systems like LEED and Energy Star. We work on a, a variety of different building types, which is a lot of fun. And uh, I work on a lot of office buildings and multifamily residential, laboratory, telecommunication, and industrial properties. Okay, cool. That sounds great. So as we get started, Mike, we're here to talk about net zero. We, we do hear a lot about that today, but you know, what, ex what exactly is net zero? Yeah, so when we're talking about net zero, we're generally talking about um, energy for net zero or net zero carbon. And they're related, but a little different. And carbon being carbon emissions uh, that has an impact on the environment. Buildings use energy in the form of electricity and natural gas and other fuel sources and Natural gas burned on site has a direct carbon impact right there. And electricity use has a carbon impact where it's generated somewhere else at a power plant using fuel that has a carbon impact at that site. So for any building, we can look at utility bills from all energy sources and come up with a carbon impact. And we do a lot of that carbon benchmarking is the service that we call that. And um, your impact will depend on how much you use, certainly, and what is the energy type and where in the country you are, because that's gonna impact the, the carbon sort of um, impact and footprint from that electricity source. Now the, the net zero piece, that means that we're having net zero impact. So if we're using some kind of energy, we're also generating enough energy to make up for that. That can be done in the form of solar or some other kind of generation that doesn't use fossil fuels, which is a big, big piece of this. The best way to minimize the amount of energy you use is to make up for uh, whatever that is. And um, of course, the easiest way to do that is to reduce the amount of energy use that you do have. And that's the focus of a lot of my work. Okay, a large part, A large part of uh, energy use in buildings is from lighting, water heating, and mechanical systems that heat and cool and bring fresh air into the building. Those are the main sources. And Energy Audit will have an energy engineer on site. Um, and we perform that service every day, all day. Uh, to review designs and operations of building systems, and make recommendations for improvement. Old lighting can be changed out with uh, newer, more efficient options. Broken or inefficient equipment can be upgraded. And heating and cooling can be minimized through efficient control strategies that will match the building um, energy use with the building load and exactly how much it's needed to treat that load and outside environmental conditions. 
Um, the result of that audit will be a set of recommendations, such as energy measures um, that we want to implement, that we recommend from an engineering perspective, and along with the cost and the payback that goes along with that, um, that sort of drives that bottom line decision. Okay. Now, again, we do hear a lot about net zero today. Why is it important that companies today are focused on this concept? Why is it important to reach net zero? Yeah, I think we're hearing so much about it today um, because it's it's a goal of a sustainable built environment. It's a goal of property owners, investors in real estate portfolios and organizations with a campus like a university. Um, it's an end goal with a million different ways to get there. And that's what makes it uh, such an interesting problem to solve. Um, there are a number of different reasons um, that we're seeing more interest today. And the bottom line reason is, is energy cost. If you use less energy, if you use zero energy, if you have zero carbon impact, that's going to reduce your utility bills or make those bills zero. And um, it's going to have that direct sort of operational effect. Using less energy, having less carbon impact also um, uses less fossil fuels. Fossil fuels have an impact on the environment that we're trying to minimize. And they're also non-renewable, non-renewable by sort of definition. There's a finite amount there. It's a lar large amount that's shrinking over time, um, but that is eventually going to run out. And sort of the definition of a sustainable society is something that can perpetually sustain. Um, the most direct reason I'm seeing from, um, from my clients is that they're, they're being asked by their stakeholders um, and the public. And there's a lot of concerns today around ESG, environmental social governance. Um, that's a very broad term that is used interchangeably sometimes with sustainable um, design and sustainable intent. The way I like to think about it is ESG is something that you look at from an organizational standpoint, where um, sustainability is something where I focus on a sustainable building. What can I do for that one building? There's very broad um, pieces to environmental social governance throughout an organization. My focus is on the energy piece, which is the most tangible, quantifiable. As an engineer, I sort of, um, you know, like those numbers and being able to, to manipulate those and, and address those directly. And um, and the energy impact is something that's tangible that I can figure out efficient ways to, to resolve. But investors in a real estate investment trust, uh, the public who are using a building and maybe funding a bond or something like that, those are the ones that are saying, hey, sustainability is important to me. The occupants in my building, sustainability is important to them. Um, it affects where they purchase a property or where they work in a, um, in a in a building and who their employer is. So sustainability is something I've been working on since I first got into my um, career a while back. And uh, I, I got I started off in mechanical design um, because um, it was of interest to me how buildings are put together. Uh, I went back to school for a graduate degree in Colorado to understand how can I make these mechanically designed buildings more efficient? I got into commissioning and testing of building systems there. Got some really good experience with, um, with field work and understanding how buildings are being put together. And maybe more importantly, when you're constructing a building, what can be done wrong that's going to degrade those energy impacts? Um, and then I, I, I got a job while I was in grad school, uh, working part-time for an energy company that sort of taught me a lot of the services that I'm still leading today with our our group of energy engineers, which are around the country, a lot of our work is very site-based. And um, and we go to where, where the building is and, and where the issue is that we need to resolve. A lot of the work that I've done, my five years at EBI and, and the 20 years before that, were focused on energy efficiency and reducing environmental impact and reducing cost. 
a lot of the work I'm doing today is the same, but the spin is just a little bit different in that everybody seems to be interested in sustainability and ESG today. And so that's making it a very fun time for me and my group as we um, get a chance to work on a variety of, of building types uh, across the country. Excellent. It's such an important topic today. So, Mike, I gather that there are a number of state regulations governing um, net zero, governing companies' efforts to reach net zero, maybe even federal regulations. So if you would tell us a little bit about that, the regulatory environment, where it is now and where you see it going. Yeah, where it's going, that's, um, man, that's that crystal ball question that we'd all love to have. But I, cer- I certainly see it increasing. Um, so that's I'll, I'll start with where we are today versus a short time ago, and maybe that'll give us an indication. But I'm seeing a lot more regulation at the city level, um, and there seem to be more popping up every day. And, and I get the chance to work on national projects with national clients. So we have to be very cognizant of what's changing and what laws are coming and then be ready to implement them um, and then respond to them when they're here. On a federal level, the SEC has introduced uh, some language around ESG that's currently being debated and will likely have a, a related impact in the future on the federal level. but. Um, that that's uh, there's going to be some improvement. It's going to be something. It's a huge force that people are going to have to deal with. Exactly what that means is unknown right now, but it is um, it is out there for debate. And there's going to be some some sort of requirements that is going to be an upgrade from what we're doing today around sustainability and, and energy use. Uh, but the local um, energy and carbon laws are what's here today, and those are what is what's impacting my work and our, the current operations of our our building owners and property managers. I'm seeing uh, there's something called the local laws in New York City. And there's local laws around energy use and commissioning for, for buildings, retro commissioning of existing buildings and, um, and carbon uh, caps, basically, um, for buildings. That's, that's going to start the clock ticking very, ticking very soon and have a, a dollar impact for people um, based on their emissions, based on their size of the building, how efficient they're being operated, and what these sort of limits are that, that have been legislated. So New York City has had some important energy laws around for a while. We're pretty active in that environment. Um, it's out there a little bit. Um, it's going to be a little bit before those, those checks need to be in the mail to pay those fines. But our most progressive clients are today trying to get ahead of that to make sure they're ahead of the curve and to make sure that um, you know these mechanical implementations that we make to improve building operations take time to bear fruit. Um, you get your last year's utility bills. That's your current score and performance and report card and how you're doing. You make improvements, and it's going to take some to, time to do that design construction, show improvement. Um, so that's where we're getting at today. And those are more at the sort of city level. So Boston, New York City, we're seeing laws pop up all throughout California and um, Denver recently. And most of them have uh, are either around energy disclosure, energy audits to improve efficiency. Um, taking a deeper energy retrofit, like retro commissioning to improve performance. And then um, really a lot of them are eventually tying to carbon. What's that environmental impact and how do you reduce that? Okay, excellent. Now, my next question, I think you've touched on this already, Mike, to some degree, but how does the business get to net zero? You know, what are the specific things they can do? You mentioned lighting as being one option. And what are, what are you doing in EBI to help your clients get there? So the first step is always the benchmark. And I may have mentioned that once or twice a day, but the benchmark is essentially what are you doing today? What's your impact today? What's your energy use today? And that's really based off your bills. And what's your carbon impact today? And that's based off the bills related to the carbon impact of that energy. 
So we'll need to understand the impact before we can come up with strategies um, to approach zero. Um, so re reduction is always a place to start. Efficiency is always the a place to start. If you're dealing with an existing building, um, look at that lighting, look at that water heating, look at that heating and that cooling and the ventilation of that building. Um, are those being maintained? Have there been any upgrades done recently? What are all the smart controls that are out there that are operating these smart buildings and telling it when to optimally start in the morning when people are coming into the building or before so it's perfectly warmed up or letting it float a few cooling degrees during the day um, when there's an opportunity to really save some cooling energy and not really fire up that chiller plant. For new buildings, um, we put a lot of emphasis on energy modeling of designs, which we can do through various iterations of the design um, as it gets closer and closer to completion. Um, if you're too far in a design, sort of the building systems are already decided and uh, you can sort of comment here and there, but that systems change of I'm, I'm picking that air-cooled system or that water-cooled system or a naturally ventilated building or I'm going to implement PV into my roof. Those are decisions that have to be made pretty early on, and that's the best time to model those, um, those options. So we work with a number of architects and engineers modeling their designs, giving them input that they need to consider with you know, hundreds of other design inputs about how to deliver the best building. We work with a lot of green building rating systems that um, like LEED or Energy Star and others are, um, are out there, and there's a new more of those popping up more every day. That um, and those are basically scorecards and checklists of things that you should do to uh, consider for sustainability. Um, some are more uh, relatable and applicable to your building type. Um, and, uh, and there's a cost involved. And that's something that we weigh every day. But the ultimate goal is that there's a reduced uh, overall life cycle cost of the building. And that's what we're trying to do with that design assistance. Um, commissioning is something I've done a lot in my, my career. And, and we've got a commission division within our practice here. That sort of reviewing the design all the way through to make sure it's going to meet the um, the needs of the the user and energy is certainly one of those goals. Is this building be designed efficiently so we can give energy input during the design review? And then there's a lot of emphasis on testing. Is that building is being put together? Are those fans and those pumps and those boilers working properly? Are they communicating together properly? Um, are you meeting the energy um, operational intents of the design, which is not always um, achievable if you're not looking at that uh, during construction. And then finally, um, you, you reduce energy use as much as you can. You're generally going to be left with some amount um, that uh, you can consider generating through through wind, through solar, through other renewable resources, or um, through options like a renewable energy credit that there's a developing market for that um, you sort of need to understand what you're investing there and what you're buying what projects those are subsidizing. Um, but if they're truly subsidizing carbon offset projects, then you're having a direct carbon reduction impact and offsetting whatever you're using with that amount. Okay, excellent. And now, Mike, for my last question, uh, the bottom line always comes up in any conversation about you know efforts like, like this one. What are the financial benefits of achieving uh, net zero? What, what's the bottom line of this? Yeah, and as a consulting business, um, it of course drives everything that we do as, as a company and a lot of the decisions that we help our clients make. Um, the most direct impact that I mentioned is lower utility bills. If you wouldn't, and you think about this as a homeowner or, or whoever, if you can pay less in, in energy use and gas use, then, then why wouldn't you? 
And if you can do so with minimal operational improvements, um, and there's a lot of low-hanging fruit out, out there, then, um, then that's something that you should consider um, through, through study on your own or through um, you know, partnering with a consultant who, who deals with this every day. In addition to just paying less in electricity and, and gas costs, um, there's a maintenance consideration. Um, sustainably operating systems generally are just better operating systems. If something's running inefficiently, something's probably broken, and you're probably keeping it running with a Band-Aid. That old boiler system, that old fan system that's on your roof that sounds funny is probably not efficient. It's probably causing a lot more maintenance concerns. Um, so for a building operator and a property manager, utility costs and maintenance costs are two huge pieces. Uh, the indirect effect and, and uh, cost there is just greater marketability. Say for an office building in downtown where you're trying to bring people back to work and, and wanting to give them a sustainable environment to work in. Um, it affects lease rates and then and, and building sale rates if you have that sustainability rating system. If you have that sort of occupant feedback that this is a great place to spend a third of my life or whatever it is during work, um, that uh, is, is word that gets around and something that, that drives financial decisions for uh, acquisitions and sales and, and lease rates. Um, and then a lot of these local laws I mentioned around Boston and New York and elsewhere, it's absolutely something that you should be considering during acquisition of a property. Um, you're an investor, you're looking to buy an industrial building or an office building. What are the local laws around energy and carbon? We call that transition risk. Um, as, as new laws develop, is there likely going to be an energy law here a year from now that I'm not considering today because I'm going to be on the hook for paying that? Um, so it's not so much a direct environmental impact there getting to net zero, but what's my carbon emissions and what does the local legislation say I have to pay about that? And then um, a lot of studies have been done over the years about the greater impact of occupant productivity over um, over over the days and years in sustainable building. If, if you're owning a building um, or having your, your company being run there and uh, it's a sustainable environment, your occupants are going to just be more productive there. And that's got a mind benefit to you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a great way to... Uh put a, um, a, a period after our conversation here. Uh, Mike, it's been great talking with you and getting these uh, very helpful insights uh, today for Cornet Global. Thanks for being with us. You as well. Have a great day. Thank you very much. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.